everyone. Welcome to Northwest Nerd. This is the podcast that stands at the crossroads of fandom because the geek community is vast and diverse from sci-fi to fantasy, from cosplay to anime. Northwest Nerd brings you news and entertainment and the stories that make us nerds. I'm pop culture journalist Dyer Oxley. With me is associate producer and mega gamer Brandon Haddix. Hey guys, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the podcast so you guys can keep updated on future episodes. Dyer, what's going on today? What's going on today is we are still self-isolating <laughs> in the mid of a uh, coronavirus <laughs> pandemic how are you doing over on your end you got uh, uh, a wife and i believe two cats yeah it's uh it's it's one of those things where you realize how often uh your cats really don't miss you being home all the time <laughs> <laughs> i'm on the opposite end i am i i moved into a new apartment during this whole time it's yeah. a weird time to do it uh so i've been I've been having to go out and do all that moving. And then also at the same time, they're telling us to stay indoors, but I'm on yep. like a time crunch to do it. It's an awkward time. We're actually going to be talking a little bit around this topic a little bit later on, but this is a news entertainment podcast. We are going to be talking about the rescheduling of some major pop culture events. It could make this a little bit of an interesting summer. I'm going to explain that later. Also, Brandon, you... Uh, have some interesting news on Half-Life 3 or not really Half-Life 3 however that that <laughs> joke goes with the release of Alex this this week yeah yeah we'll get to that but um first Dyer you said that you had uh done some uh, reporting this week on uh, a little story about cosplay and good causes man yeah a mashup of cosplays and good causes do you, do you want to get mm -hmm. in that yeah let's do it all right let's do it So folks around here are expecting like this wave of COVID-19 to hit the U.S. sometime soon. Um, we, uh, if we are on track like the rest of the world, if everyone doesn't self-isolate uh, and social distance and all that stuff, then we'll experience everything like other countries are experiencing it, which means that basically tens of thousands of sick people will flood the hospitals and that we can't keep up right. with those numbers. Um, There's not so, enough medical equipment to go around at that point. It's that yeah. whole flatten the curve thing you hear about. Exactly. Um, and with that comes another issue. We'll run low on personal protection equipment. So the face masks, gloves, um, the shields that they use, uh, the face shields, the gowns, all that stuff. We're going to run out of that stuff. Um, so doctors and nurses are in need. Basically, Washington has asked for these supplies from the federal stockpile. Um, so far, one shipment came in, and it was about a quarter of what we requested. And the, the next shipment was less than a tenth of what we expected. Yeah, so in short, we're not really getting what we need. There is a gap in supplies. And part of that is just them looking ahead, knowing this is how much we need, and we're not there yet. So reportedly, even a hospital in Bellevue started taking down the privacy curtains in patients' rooms, those little thin blue materials, and they started cutting that up to make face masks. Now, these are not the N95s. Uh, these are surgical masks. So N95s, you probably hear about. Those are those heavy-duty ones that doctors need. Providence, which has medical centers in the Puget Sound region, put out a call for anyone with a sewing machine to make masks for them. They called it this 100 million mask 
challenge, and they would provide a kit for 100 masks to each person and hand those out. And when I saw that, I saw that little news bite come through, and it, yeah. it kind of sort of struck me because there's something that we do have a lot of in the Northwest, cosplayers. So over this last week, I called up a few cosplayers that I know. Uh, this includes Brian Morris. He runs Zach Labs. It's a cosplay shop out in Renton. Uh, he's also CEO of King Kong. Most cosplayers, they don't have any cons or events to go to. They've all been canceled for the next few months. So we have empty shops. We have empty sewing machines. We're not making anything. You have literally, you have an army of creatives out there who are ready and willing just to jump on this. You know what? I recognize Brian. Yeah, he's been on the podcast before. We've, we, in fact, I think just a couple of weeks back, we had him on talking about King Kong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what did Brian have to say about this? So he is aware of about a dozen or so cosplayers locally here in Western Washington, at least, who are turning their uh, costume shops into little mask-making factories. Uh, but he also notes it's not just here. So I'm in conversation with people from Illinois, California, Tennessee, um, New York, Texas. So it's all over the United States. And I'm literally in a conversation with them right now talking about how we can make this stuff. It's it's so crazy how quick and how fast the cosplay community has jumped on this. So Brian did sign up for that Providence 100 million mask challenge. He was set to make about 100 or so masks. Luckily, though, a furniture factory in Muckleteo eventually stepped up. They converted their operation to make all of these masks for Providence. Uh, just a shout out to, I think it's called Cass Tailored. Uh, good going on them for doing that. But even though this happened, Brian and Zach Labs, they were still up for this mask challenge. So he moved ahead anyway. Zach Labs already has the materials that they needed. So right now, Valley Medical here in Renton, like Providence and other hospitals, are taking donations of both masks and of face shields. And there's also been a need for scrubs and gowns and other stuff. But the two items that we can easily craft are both the medical cloth face mask and also the shields. For example, the shields are the plastic ones that you'll see people wearing and they cover the entire face and kind of give you a, like a giant sneeze guard in front of your face. We can construct those really easily, both with 3D printing and molding and casting. Those are set skills that we use for all of our cosplay. And now all we have to do is just turn the dial and now we're making medical supplies. So basically, Zach Labs is making face masks and yeah. face shields. Yeah, in fact, when I spoke with him on the phone, he was laser cutting out the patterns, like the little sewing patterns that you needed to make the mask. And then later, um, Brian and then Hannah, who also works in his shop, they were sewing them together. And actually, and you can see this video now, uh, because they live streamed it on Twitch, just the two of them sewing these surgical medical masks uh, and it lasted about four hours and 40 minutes. So it's four hours and 40 <laughs> minutes of them sewing this stuff together. 
So that that said, I want there's something else there. I want to keep in mind. You hear a lot in the news about the N95 mask. I mentioned that earlier. This is the mask that can filter a lot of particulates, about 95% of the air. Uh, and you may remember that when wildfires were coming through, we had a lot of smoke in the air that was a problem in the Northwest for about two years. The N95 mask, that's the mask they recommended you get for that. Painters use them, so you might see them being used that way. Uh, so this is what the health care workers use to protect themselves from getting viruses when they're working with patients. The mask that Brian is making, they filter about 60 to 70 percent of particulates. So these are not necessarily for the front lines of this pandemic. Brian notes that there are a couple things that they are good for, though. First, you can use them in vet clinics, homeless shelters, and nursing facilities that are not on the front lines, and then you can free up those N95s to be used elsewhere. Also, okay. the theory is you can place one of these fabric masks over an N95. That can make the N95 last even longer. So how many uh, masks can he make? And then how many yeah. should like a reasonable person be able to make? So this is a bit relative of a number. Different cosplayers have faster or slowing machines. Brian, he has a couple sergers. Those are known to be pretty good machines. He okay. said that they can take about 10-ish minutes, 10, maybe 15, to make just one, um, depending on the skill level of the sewer. When they were done after their Twitch stream, they had fistfuls of masks that they were showing in front of the camera. Wow. Uh, now on the other end of the spectrum though, is another friend of the podcast, uh, Renee, AKA Pixie Bomber. And she's sort of coming at this from another angle. So, so let me get this straight. So Brian uh -huh. has a shop. Yes. Zach Labs with material and equipment. And you bring up Renee, who has won competitions for sewing and for her work, but she doesn't have a shop. Well, yeah, I'm, her shop is her living room. So oh, okay. she's making the mask too. But in her case, she's sort of waiting on instructions from her local hospitals when they may need them. She was up for the, the Providence Challenge when Providence was accepting volunteers, but they weren't handing them out anywhere near where she lived. But she wasn't going to let that hold her back. So I've done a little bit of research, and I'm making sure that I'm following the CDC guidelines that state that homemade masks can be used in these emergent situations when no other proper medical protective equipment is available. And I've also joined a, a Facebook group that was recommended to me by a nurse at Everett Providence called Maskpalooza, which the members include many different people who sew as well as nurses themselves within that group. And so the nurses have been making personal recommendations specifically to use string to not cause tension on the ears. Some people are okay with that and some people are making both varieties, but I'm choosing to do strings only to reduce the strain on the body. So and now there's like whole online groups that have yes. started uh, getting people together to make masks, correct? Particularly on Facebook. This okay. one group was just one that Renee was familiar with. They have nurses in these groups and they're kind of trying to get these masks this way. Now I'm a little unsure exactly how to report on this because I get the feeling it, it may be a little bit on the down low. It, it seems some hospitals want to go through official channels, such as like businesses or getting donations in bulk. That's most of what I've seen with it's like UW Medical asking for stuff or even mm. um, the state enterprise services. They're trying to get donations. 
it's not going to individuals like this. Okay, so is it like the nurses are in these groups asking? It seems for like masks that. It seems or... like the nurses are in there. In a way, it kind of sounds like that situation where you have a friend of a friend who knows something and they're asking. Renee, she can sew a handful of these masks each night. And in this case, it might be a situation where these masks are used in areas other than where people are on the front lines of this pandemic, that those vet clinics and the homeless shelters I mentioned before. But Renee did say this. She said that she was in contact with somebody. Somebody reached out to her to get masks for a hospital in the Puget Sound area. Um, recently, I was reached out by a friend's former coworker, specifically asking for Port Orchard. I believe that the person knows a staff member on at Port Orchard that has the need. And so it's really... Everything is through relationships. Everybody who knows somebody knows somebody is getting a hold of somebody to get something because the need is so great that any avenue is being looked at in order to get these fulfilled. So to, so to me, it sounds like we have like this army of cosplayers that are ready to work. And yes. even if it's not official hospital channels, some folks are like going online and finding avenues there to connect with people. Basically, yeah, um, I, I would urge people, if you do want to make these masks, if you do want to engage in this, call the medical facility first and see if they will even take them. Uh, also, like Renee said, there are CDC guidelines for this to consider. You can't just use any fabric. I believe it's 100% cotton. The masks that Brian are making, they have a little insert on the inside, and there's a non-woven material in there to act kind of as a barrier. So there, mm. it's not just putting fabric up willy-nilly. There, there are kind of guidelines for them to do. So do your research and call ahead if this is something that you're interested in. But you are right. There is a group of people who... Let's be honest, they probably have capes in their closets right now. <laughs> they are ready to answer this call and help if and when they are needed. But I think together we can we can solve this problem. We can make all what we need here locally. We don't have to worry about world supplies. We have the talent, the skills, and the abilities to be able to handle this crisis right now. You know what, Dyer? I, I've been just since I, I've kind of become a part of the nerd culture uh, movement. I guess would be the word that I would say. Don't act like uh, a newbie. You always say <laughs> you always act like you're some kind of newbie. But yeah, we've all known you've you've been a nerd for a while. Yeah, but I mean, it took me a while. My wife brought this out of me. This is not. <laughs> she takes the blame for this, and so no, no, she takes uh, the credit for it. You yeah, way to she, go, Kira. Yeah, virtual, virtual, self-isolated high five to Kira. Yeah, um, but it, it, since I've kind of been in the con scene and stuff like that, um, I'm just super surprised about how loving and caring the nerd community as a whole yeah. is. It just constantly surprises me how far we will go to we can help people out. I, you know, I love that. That is that is a thing that I always try to emphasize, at least with this podcast, at the very least. There, there's a lot of folks you can totally find out there. You could find the gatekeepers. You could find the the, the fake geek girl, you know, people that <laughs> let, use the term fake geek girl. Like, that's out there, and we all know it. We don't have to feed that. We don't have to give it fuel. And something like this, this is not an isolated incident. This is, uh, I've seen cosplayers for causes 
tons of other times, cosplayers that go into yeah. hospitals, cosplayers that do camps for sick children. So I, I think that something like this in this time is not too much of a surprise for me. And I know these cosplayers personally myself too. So it also doesn't surprise me that their hearts would be in the right place sure. doing this as well. If they, if Brian, if he has a chance to pick up litter in Star Wars regalia or something, he will do it. And I believe he has done yeah. that actually. So yeah, um, but good virtual pat on the back to all the cosplayers out there. Yeah, shout out to you guys. You guys are making a difference, and, and the world sees it, and we appreciate that. And with all that said, do you want to get into some news? Let's do it, man. Let's do, Let's it. do it. I don't want to keep pounding away at this coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic thing, but... There is news again related to it, at least news is close to my heart because I'm a film guy. You know, I'm a yeah. film guy. So I'm just going to go with the most recent one. So Gal Gadot, you all know uh, Wonder Woman, uh, tweeted recently. This has been going around. The news broke this week. The release date for Wonder Woman 1984 that we've all been looking forward to, I'm sure. Uh, it's been pushed back uh, from June 2nd to August 14th and it's strictly because of this coronavirus pandemic now there's a few things you can read into that that i kind of find interesting a lot of the stay-at-home orders that we've been seeing in new york and in here in washington oregon Mm -hmm. has one as well uh they are out at least two weeks i mean that brings us into april but we have may going on It, it it's kind of a maybe a business signifier of how long folks think some of this can go on Um, On the other side of that, there's a lot of promotion and there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before a movie can be released. A lot of, you know, nuts and bolts stuff. And this might just be pushing that back. It might mean that they're not able to lay down the the groundwork for them to actually set up the film June 2nd. That said, August through September, just a side (laughs) note. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be one of the nerdiest months, spans of (laughs) months. And I'm going kind of like (laughs) mid-August to like September. Because you think about it, Emerald City Comic Con got pushed back to August 21st, right? Correct. Yeah, totally. PAX West, I believe, is the next week. I think it's around August 28th. Yeah, normally it's either the last week of August or it's the first week of September. So it normally hangs around that spot. And I could Uh, be wrong on that. It's usually that last last weekend or so. And and some listeners out there, I'm sure, will go on Twitter and be like, you know what? That that said, Rose City Comic Con comes up right in there about like a, a week or two later in September, September 11th or 13th, I believe. My my point being here is that we all, we have Wonder Woman popping up as a highly anticipated film right into the middle of con season that's going to be happening. This is, I think this is going to be like the summer of nerd. I think like when you go back and you like the hippies and the summer of 69 yeah. and all these kind of money, I think this is going to be a little bit of the summer of nerd. So it's just going to be, it's going to be the summer of nerd 2020. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and here's the thing. When I bring up, I bring this up because I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 quite a bit. But the thing is, this is not the only movie to be delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. So uh, I I encourage everybody to go read Business Insider. They a couple days ago, they had a really good roundup of all the films that are going to be pushed back 31 movies. Uh, in all, uh, going to be pushed back. And this includes production. So like the Batman that we all know that was going to be 
coming out uh, in about 20, later 2020 or early 21. That's being mm-hmm. pushed back itself quite a few months into 2021 because of the production of the film is being pushed back. James Bond, No Time to Die, uh, was supposed to be uh, released in April. I think that's now going to be released in November. I was kind of excited for that. The Quiet Place Part 2 is being delayed. I can't believe this. Fast and the Furious 9. I can't believe yeah. I just said that. Fast and Furious 9. Isn't it crazy how spin-offs. far it would come? It's unbelievable. They're delaying yeah. that a year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't. That's insane. And I don't know the dates for this too, but Mulan and Black Widow are also I got being delayed. delayed. Yeah. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that one, audiences aren't there. AMC theaters, Regals, they've shut down chains entirely. Uh, so people aren't going to movie theaters. But also because the production value of this, they actually have to produce these films and film sets are shut down right now. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but a lot of late night shows aren't even on right now. A lot of shows that you would normally have produced, your your weekly dramas and so forth aren't being produced either. So a lot of stuff is basically shut down in Hollywood right now we're kind of going to get a little bit of lag in our pop culture entertainment on the screen. Yeah. But when it does hit, it's going to hit hard. If it's it, going to be if a wave. It, yeah. It's going to be insane. Um, I was going to ask you, because this brings up a question. Remember how we, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, we discussed that Disney was doing Disney's onward when we had the, uh, when we had the nerd boots pod, military yeah. podcast here, yeah. they're releasing that on streaming coming up that. here yeah and then early, early right they're releasing it early yeah so they're releasing it like so you would basically i think it, the concept is is that you would pay like 20 bucks uh for the screening and you get it for like two days and so you'd be able oh, to okay, watch wait. it as much as you want i didn't know days. that you have to pay 20 bucks to screen it yeah so you have to pay but, a movie ticket wait this this is yeah. disney is this is this on disney plus no, so like it's going to be through uh, another third party because it's in theaters right now. So since the theaters are not able to meet up with people because this is going on, uh, COVID-19 is obviously taking effect on that industry, the entertainment industry as a whole. They are basically bringing the movie as streaming style, like streaming style yeah. to the viewers. That's, and so that's fascinating. That's very yeah. unique. I don't think there's really much precedence for that. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I understand they're trying to get those theater funds. I mean, that's a very creative thing to do. Would you, I don't know. Would you pay $20 to stream? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's. This could very some... well set precedent for the future because I mean, yeah. everybody's saying that after COVID-19, everything settles down, things are going to change everything from healthcare to our supply chains. But, uh, I mean, this this could we've always been saying streaming is changing things. Netflix and Amazon are making films, releasing them for a week into theaters and then putting them on their streaming services and then going out for Oscars and Academy Awards and things like that. But so this is interesting that um, this could set another precedent that you make a giant budget film. And if people are willing to pay for it instead of going to the theater, you can, you know, I guess sit at your home theater. Yeah, but is it a good precedent to set because you don't get that big screen experience? No, you don't. And and the other part of it is what will that do to the movie theater economy in general? What would that um I'm trying to think of like what the crazy repercussions would be uh if we stopped that like big screen movie experience in general right. because 
I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, that's a big, huge assumption that it would do that. But what, let's say that this movie is very successful rating wise, but also if this program takes off, what would that say to Disney and all these big name companies that are well, they would totally do it. I think they would actually divert most of their efforts into what Netflix has done and just make exclusive content because they could, I think, make more money just monthly bleeding people because people go to movies X amount of times a year. Yeah. But if you're charging six, seven, fifteen dollars per month out of people, mm-hmm. that's like. I think that could add up a lot more than just the movie ticket that you get of people rushing to to the theaters. Sure. Um, so I, I can see that. But yeah, I, I'm going to have to think about that. You know, on second thought, though, you know, there are a lot of people out there. And, you know, I'm I'm talking about, I hope you get this reference, the double clicks, Netflix and Cats type crowd. If you listen to the double clicks, they have a song called Netflix and Cats. And it's all about you know, screw this. I'm going indoors. I'm knitting. I am binge watching everything. I'm ordering yeah. snack snack mix online. That crowd, and I can say that I'm kind of one of them, uh, would probably <laughs> be totally into this. I am totally, everybody's talking about cabin fever and stuff, and I think that eventually will set into me. But oh my gosh, working from home has been amazing for me. Really? I, yeah. I haven't worn pants for like a week. <laughs> Is in my the windows in my new apartment are perfect because they come like right up to the waist. Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. You and know? then when you do when you do video conferencing, you just put on a nice shirt. And oh, I put it. on like a tie and a shirt and all that. Um, no, but uh, I, it, honestly though, it's it's been pretty great. You know, you kind of roll out of bed, you start the coffee, and you get kind of right to work. And I kind of move from the couch to the table. And I digress. I, I've yes. been having a good time with it. I do know people though, and especially in the geek community who are extroverts and they're not doing as well as, as I am. Yeah, uh, point being be after that all of be. this, that's an interesting precedent. I think that you, you bring up there. Uh, speaking of interesting. Sure. Yeah. Um, it interesting is... news uh, about <laughs> a video game. Uh, yeah. So life and a joke that I did not get when you told me, when I talked with Dyer about this story, he was kind of like, you realize I, I'm I said, right here. You're talking to me. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but I was saying to you, I was, I'm telling the audience. Basically, I said, you know, like uh, Half-Life, they made this new game, Half-Life Alex, And I was like, huh, but it's still not Half-Life, th- Half-Life 3. And then there was like dead radio silence. And I was like, oh, oh no. I had heard about Alex coming out. I had seen the, the social media going about Half-Life Alex. Sure. And I'm aware of the game Half-Life. When you brought this up to me, though, I was not aware that Half-Life is something like a couple decades old. And people have not even... Apparently, the story's still lingering out there, and they're still waiting for the third installment of this video game by Valve, local Northwest company here. And they haven't gotten this conclusion for 16 or so years now? Yeah, so we're actually... That is fascinating. I did not know that. Yeah, so Half-Life 1 came out 20 years ago. Half-Life 2 came out right around, I believe it was 2004. Um, so 16 years ago, Half-Life 2 comes out. And everybody, was it, it was it was huge. It was a great game. People loved it. Um, story was great. Um, but then we were kind of like, okay, where, so what's next? Because this is the story's ramping up. It ended on these huge cliffhangers. We were super stoked about that. Then uh, three years goes by, and they released this Half Life Two 
episode one, which is like this continuation of uh, Half-Life 2. Still the same story, still the same characters. And then we're like, okay, cool. So when we're going to get into, so we're episode one, we'll we'll do maybe one more and we'll move on. Uh, They did episode two a year later, and then it was just silent Hmm. for years. Um, Until two days ago when uh, Valve released a VR experience, Half-Life Alex, which is the third chapter of Half-Life 2. Now, this brings up a very interesting thought I was thinking as I was reading some articles on this. They really have seemed to be focusing on game engines, optimization, making those video games, but not focusing as much on finishing out that story. Half-Life 3 has been a game that people have been waiting for for years. Because they want to move on, we want to find out the next installment of that game. And so it's been kind of this running joke, like Half-Life 3 is always five years away from where you are now. Let me ask uh, you something. In your your opinion, uh, you mentioned the game engine. And not only that, Half-Life Alex is a virtual reality-based, a VR-based game right correct yes and so they've been Uh, valve has been developing that i mean it seems to me on one end these game companies yes they make games and they're they're known as video game companies but at their core they are a tech company and they make a ton of money off the technology that they produce of course it could be used elsewhere hollywood uh i'm sure the department of defense always has their eye on these things (laughs) like sure so it would not be surprising to me that Valve has been more concentrating on the money makers, the big million dollar something odd contracts that they can make outside of these games that maybe creating the the other Half-Life 3 installment is just not as important to them. On top of that, Valve, produ- Valve produces Dota 2, right? And, and yeah, Dota they produce- 2 is a phenomenally successful uh esports filling out stadiums and unfortunately they're not filling out stadiums in seattle anymore but uh that alone has to take up so much bandwidth of that company yeah i mean they make the the portal series they've made counter-strike uh they've made dota they have their fingers in every kind of style of game um but they use these they use these game engines like over and over and over and over uh, making them uh, more making them look cleaner the graphics look gr- better optimizing uh, them and- yeah just optimizing them and making them better but it, it seems like that is really the product that they're trying to sell um, which is kind of it makes me feel weird because I'm like I, I get that we're here to sell this product but also you want to still keep your players hooked and I I don't know if we will ever get a Half-Life 3. I don't even know if we'll ever get there. I'm kind of happy with the way that we've released these like episodic stories to kind of continue the the overall arc of Half-Life as a franchise, but I think they're really trying to make their engine better and they're really trying to sell that product. And so VR for them is their next thing that they're looking towards instead of maybe continuing this story of half-life and so maybe we'll never get half-life so don't hold your breath for half-life three yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'm sorry i a virtual pat on the back for you there i'm sorry (laughs) you're you're disappointed no it's okay it's okay um i've I've heard great things about half-life alex i've heard people are loving it so far um so if if they continue to make good games 
we will continue to buy them and we will continue to support them. So and best of luck. We will continue on with this podcast. <laughs> I think that does it for the news bites. But before we check out, uh, I don't know. I got a vent about something. I'll see okay. you on the other side of this. Okay. Okay, so I am moving right now, right? I, and I got in this situation. I didn't mean to move. Uh, it's it's kind of good timing, especially with all this pandemic going on. Because I was like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move around June or so. But for the time <laughs> being, I decided just I'm gonna look what's out there. But you decided to put your toes in the water and see what what was out here and feel around. And I found a place. I found an awesome place. I'm very, very stoked uh, about the place. I ended up grabbing it and, and moving. Long story short, I ended up renting two apartments in one month, uh, and that has given me plenty of time to move, which I apparently needed because the pandemic hit. I work in news radio. I've been working like crazy from home for that, and then also trying to move stuff little by little when I can, which brings me to a little bit of a dilemma that I have. And okay. I've been to your apartment. Yeah. I've seen a lot of your fan art. Yeah, we got a lot of it, buddy. Yeah. We got a lot of it. I pick up a lot of this stuff at Comic-Con. Where do you guys get like your fan art? We got a couple places. Majority of our art that we buy for our home that's nerdy and it's got that kind of feel. It's from uh, Artist Alley creators, the independent guys. Um, we want to support them. So what we exactly. can, we'll do that. So we love that. It's very personable. I, I, when I look at the art pieces, I, I feel like I get to know a little bit about who drew or painted them so i love that so that's that's my point is i go to like the homegrown section at emerald city comic-con mm -hmm. i go to uh artist alleys things like that and, and that's where i find a lot of like the cool stuff so i've, I've talked about dave ryan pop art dr pop art manticore yeah. stencil art he goes by many mm -hmm. names he's been featured on on the show i have a i have an area i call my manta corner because it's just all his art of his that i like and that's just one person that I like. And then there's all these other artists that I do. Usually there's a certain wittiness to them that I appreciate on fandoms that I love. I actually came to a point where I have so much that I can't bring it all. And I'm at the dilemma where I don't know what I'm supposed to do with mm -hmm. all this fan art. And then I also have friends that have given me art, and I don't want to mention anything by names, but they give me like fan art that I'm not necessarily going to like post it up somewhere. I'm maybe not like yeah. entirely into it, but then... I don't know where to give that stuff to. Like, I, it doesn't feel like a goodwill thing. Yeah, like, and you can't, like, throw it away. I'm not cause... throwing it away because it's good stuff. It's just, it's not good for my wall, maybe. And so I've actually been going through the thing of, like, okay, I can't have this. I can have this. I can't have this. I can't, I, and I actually have to, I have a box of stuff, but I don't know where it's going to go. I, I don't know if there's, like, a, a geek swap meet, a swap geek. Maybe we should start that, a swap geek. Um, maybe. Or something like that, but I don't. I feel like I would just end up with more more crap if I actually did that. I would go there, I'd get rid of the stuff, and then I would buy a bunch more of the stuff. But, but that's the thing is, like, I get so like loaded with stuff, I don't really know what to do with it. So I'm at this dilemma right now where I've got my Manticore stencil art, I got my Jeff Carpenter stuff, mm -hmm. I've got a lot of my old. I've got a signed Jeremy Enoch concert poster and things like that uh, that I'm gonna be putting up. Nina eventually is going to be moving into this place she's i'm sure going to have a lot of her stuff she's got a lot of naruto <laughs> i found that out by the way your fiance loves naruto yes. and i was like 
wait, what? I was like very taken aback because I just, when I look at Nina, I didn't expect Naruto, but oh, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited. Piece, about Naruto, all that stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I was just like, she never mentioned it before. So I was like, Naruto? Really? <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. So now, now I'm in this position where I got to figure out how do I actually decorate an apartment and have a place for everything? And then how do I you know, get rid of stuff that I'm probably not going to use, but I want it to go someplace where it's going to find good use. I, I'm going to, I'm going to put a call out to the listeners. Like, what do you do? Sure. I, I can't even imagine what Funko people do. Like they don't even get rid of those oh my things. Gosh, they, yeah. they have rooms. When you buy, when you, when you run out of space in a room for a Funko, it's time to move. You get another room. Like that's, <laughs> that's how that works. I can't do that. You know? Yeah. I have that problem with typewriters right now, which is a whole other thing. I don't know. That's my dilemma. I know it's a little long-winded with it, but what what do the listeners think? Like tweet at us, Facebook us. What how do you manage your fan art? How do you manage the stuff that you collect? It's hard because you you want to go to somebody, but then also there's two sides to that coin where is does it feel disrespectful just to give it away to Goodwill or the other side of that is is Goodwill might just look at it and throw it away. And that yeah. is not what you wanted to do to begin with. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna try to organize a swap geek sometime. I have no idea if is, anybody is interested in that, but maybe if they are, I'm wondering if it's just gonna end up being a bunch of stuff that people thought was good at the time, but then didn't want, and no one else is gonna want it, or if it's actually gonna be stuff that will will go to good homes if people really like it. All the pop culture fandom art and knickknacks. And, and baubles that people pick up at conventions and, and elsewhere, all in one place, like a big giant garage sale. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but, tell us, write us, tell us what's going yeah. on, how you guys handle it. I'd be interested to hear. Okay. I want to thank again Brian Morris with Zach Labs and King Con and Renee, aka Pixie Bomber. For chatting with us, and while we're at it, I think all the uh, nurses and doctors and first responders who are mm. dealing with this pandemic locally and elsewhere, they deserve a big thank you as well. Not to mention, like, grocery stores are having special hours for seniors and people who are at risk. Um, yeah. It's not entirely bleak when people are being excellent to each other. So be excellent to each other. Two wise men once said, be excellent to each other. <laughs> uh, so do that. I love it. And eventually, we will all party on. So, <laughs> Brandon, would you like to uh, do the credits for us? Yeah, man. Uh, Northwest Nerds theme music, the music you're hearing right now, is by the Hoot Hoot. So thank you for the wonderful theme music. Music also by Kevin McLeod that was used in this episode. Uh, associate producer was me. So you. thank you so much. I appreciate it. And some Brandon uh, Haddocks. If you have not already, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also subscribe to this podcast and you'll never miss an episode. And I think that does it for us. So until next week, this has been Dyer Oxley. And Brandon Haddix. With Northwest Nerd. Northwest Nerd.